I've had those conversations, quite frankly, with people that are in that boat and they say, you know, what you, what you're talking about sounds great. I know I need it. I don't have that money. What do you think I should do? And I say, you know what, keep doing what you're doing, you know, working your job or, or, or whatever it is and keep trying to set aside a little bit of cash, keep working on your plan and get yourself in a little bit better financial position to actually launch this business the right way. That that's actually my, my best advice. And, and I don't want to discourage anybody from starting a business. Don't take me wrong there. Um, I just want people to, to put themselves in the best position to be successful as they possibly can. And that requires a little bit of capital. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has built several businesses into seven and eight figure companies, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great guest on our expert episode, which is Kent. And I'm going to call him Kent G because I'm pretty sure I'm going to kill his last name <laughs> if I even try and pronounce it. Um, but Kent, um, he, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe maybe it will be very exciting. Maybe people find it boring, but business formations, kind of how you strategize with your business and maybe a little bit about finance and marketing as well. But, you know, my interest in bringing Kent on is there are a lot of businesses out there that, you know, you you just you jump to an LLC because that's the first thing, or you don't even set up a business because, oh, we're just doing it out of our garage or on eBay or on Amazon. And there are some drawbacks and things to consider and how you might or juggle those or what you might, how you might want to set them up. So figured Kent would come on and he's going to tell us a little bit more about that. So with that, welcome to the podcast, Kent. Hey, thanks, Devin. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, my name is Kent Gustafson and uh, I am the founder of multiple businesses like Devin, um, founder mm. of Safe Shield Consulting, uh, also founder of Kent Gustafson Consulting. And uh, I've been an entrepreneur now for just about 14 years. I spent mm. nearly 13 years in corporate America uh, in a variety of capacities, but primarily in operations management and uh, started my own business almost 14 years ago. And mm. uh, my focus was really on helping people start, grow, and sustain successful businesses. And what I have learned and what I have tried to teach others uh, over the course of my 14 years is really just how critical it is to get your business set up and structured properly and, and really started on the right foot. And uh, over the course of time, uh, I've worked for, with uh, nearly 2,000 businesses in the last 14 years mm. and uh, have uh, played what I like to always consider a, a small but important role in seeing many, many, many of those businesses go on to be highly successful, which is really, uh, for me, what I measure myself on is, is mm. can I help other people be successful? And, and that's something that I've been able to do. So now, now, and I think that's a great introduction. I, I and I agree. I think there's a lot of facets that make a business successful, and hopefully, we can hit on a few of those today. So maybe with that, let's just dive into it. You know, the first one that always comes to mind, and I'm sure there are, there are plenty, and we'll probably run out of time before we ever get through them all, is you know, business formations, and that's you know, oftentimes, you know, I always look at there are usually one of two things when people get excited about a business or an idea. 
beyond just the idea stage and they start to get serious so they'll either do one is are they going to go out and make sure they create a logo because that's always fun to see a take to lie and then the other thing they made me look at is kind of okay now i need to i don't know exactly why or how but i need to form a business and that could be you know i don't know do i am i a partnership am i a sole proprietor am i an llc am i an s corp and i a c corp and kind of those things and oftentimes people kind of don't know what they do so they go with go on google it get some general ideas sometimes google gives you good answers sometimes it's horrible answers but how do they as they're starting to say take that first step let's say they got their logo so we got that out of the way how do they take that first step in doing a business formation or figuring out should they be a nonprofit, an llc an s corp a c corp a sole proprietor a partnership all or none of the above and how do you kind of tackle that yeah i mean fair question there Devin. i i think you know for most people the nonprofit path typically isn't the first venture. That's, that's typically something that comes about after they've been involved in starting and operating a small business. Not always, um, but typically those nonprofits come up kind of after they've been down this path a time or two. A lot of people that I work with come to me because they have an idea and they're passionate about that idea. They want to turn it into a business, but they really aren't sure where to start. I would say uh, probably 50% of the people that I deal with fall into that category, maybe even a little bit higher. Um, Another large portion of people I deal with uh, comes to me saying, I need an LLC and I I hear you're the guy that can help me do that. And I would say that of those people, probably 98% of them don't even know what an LLC is or, or why they need it. But perhaps, you know, a friend or family member suggested it. Maybe their their accountant or their attorney or their banker. Um, and so for me, helping people first understand what an LLC is, uh, which it stands for limited liability company, and it is intended to be a formal legal structure that creates separation between your business and the activities of the business and you as an individual. And I always tell people on the front end, if if it's formed properly and if it's maintained properly, it Mm. creates a layer of separation between you and the business. And so if something goes wrong within your business, if somebody pursues legal action against you or you find yourself in some type of of litigious situation, uh, the LLC provides liability protection so that you're not going to lose your house, your boat, your cars, and and other assets like that. Mm. And, you know, usually when people understand that, it's easy for them to get excited about getting that first step taken care of getting that business set up. Now, in some cases, people before, before we leave off of that note, because, you know, if I, and I think that well under reflects my understanding and how how I often explain it, but let me break it down and maybe see if it makes sense this way as well is, you know, basically if you were to just start, let's say a sole proprietorship, or you just started a business, you never did any formation. You just say, Hey, I'm going to start selling a product out of my garage. It's going to be Devin Miller, the individual that sells it. Then let's say that there was anything, anything from trademark infringement, patent infringement, product safety, liability. You know, if you, it was an expensive product and you get lost in the mail and somebody sued it, or, you know, you, you, any, or, you know, somebody got mad at you for whatever reason they filed a lawsuit and you never formed it. You just simply 
did it out of your garage. You did it as an individual. You just started your own business. You may have seen it on YouTube or, you know, one of those videos where, hey, you can drop ship things and it will be awesome. And, you know, so, and then people, you know, whatever the reason is, somebody comes and sues you. If you have zero barrier in, they can come after your personal assets, which would include your house, your boat, your car, your property, your savings, anything else, because you don't create any of that barrier. Now, maybe they'll lose because, you know, they don't have a good lawsuit, but they'll still come after those assets. If you put that at least at LLC or some sort of a corporation in the in in you know in the middle of you, then it allows you to at least have that one additional layer, you know, that they have to go through or they have to before they can ever go after you personally. Is that a fair way to describe it? Ab- absolutely. And and quite frankly, there are a lot of people, Devin, that start out their business as a sole proprietor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, perhaps they register an assumed name with the state. Um, they have no idea that they're opening themselves up, you know, as soon as you open a business, you you take on a certain degree of risk. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some businesses carry more risk than others. But the reality of it is, is when you are a business owner, large or small, you have a target on your back. And Mm -hmm. um, so part of, you know, for me, I really am focused on making sure that the people that I work with and even people that I might not work with, but have a chance to talk to, I want them to be educated first and foremost. You know, I, I never want to see somebody get in trouble because they they had no idea the risks that they were facing. Now, sometimes people are educated and they just don't care, right? They, they move on and, and take the risk and that's their business. But most people want to do things the right way. Most people want to be protected. And so for that sole proprietor that you talked about, that started their business out of their garage and all of a sudden maybe they're making, you know, a million or a million and a half dollars a year. They've got something right now that needs to be protected. And so creating that, that LLC or that corporation, it really creates that layer of separation or that, that barrier. The the legal metaphor is corporate veil. It keeps that corporate veil in place that, that protects their, their personal property. Uh, a lot of people come to me in that situation, right? They, they've been at it for a while. They're, they're making money and perhaps they want to take advantage of some tax benefits that are available to them, or they want the liability protection or, or both. And so that conversation then expands to, okay, there's the, there's the structural foundation of the business. There's the, the asset protection aspect of the LLC or the corporation. Then there's also, what are some tax advantages that you might be able to, to leverage to, to save yourself some money on taxes? And that's typically when I get into the conversation with people uh, about potentially becoming an S corporation. And so let's, almost, let's dive into that just a bit deeper because yeah. I think that, you know, standard is, I think most people understand that, hey, if I'm going to do something, let's just do an LLC as quick as easy, right? So let's say as an example, people, whether to your point, the attorney told them, an accountant told them, the bank told them, somebody told them, hey, you should go fill or figure out, a, you know, you should form a business around it. It will probably protect you. And it makes, you know, having a business name, the business owns assets as opposed to the individual and just makes things a bit easier on everything. But now, so they come to you and they say, okay, I want to start a business and I know I, I think I need to have a business formed. Now, where do I go from here? What's kind of the steps that you walk through to say, should it be an LLC or an S corp or a C corp, you know, kind of give us that real world example of how people might start to figure out which one they need. Yeah. I mean, that's a, 
that's a great question, a great point. Um, in I'm a big proponent of LLC structure. The reason for that is flexibility. Okay. Mm -hmm. So both an LLC and a corporation, whether that be a C Corp, S Corp, both in theory pr provide liability protection to the business owner. With the S Corporation, a portion of income can be protected from self-employment tax. And mm. so people look at that and say, well, hey, if I can save money on taxes, I want to do that. What I like about the LLC structure is this, when you're first starting out and you don't have any idea if you're going to make any money or not, uh, much less be profitable, the LLC structure, if you're a one-person business, allows you to have that liability protection in place, but from a tax perspective, you can be taxed as a sole proprietorship. There's no separate tax return. It's, it's clean, it's simple, but it also allows you the flexibility to at some point choose to be taxed as an S-Corp. You can still maintain the LLC structure, mm. uh, but for tax purposes, you can file a, a document with the IRS where they would treat you as an S-Corp. People say, well, how do I know when that is? And, and I say, you know, your account is always gonna be the, the best person to advise you, but uh, I typically try to talk in round numbers and say, you know, look, if, if you're at the place where you're, making $100,000 a year, right? At that, that's how much is left to pay yourself. Mm. If, if you are an S-Corp, you can essentially break down that $100,000 and pay part of it to yourself as a salary, which you have to. You have mm. to do that as an S-Corp. You have to pay yourself a salary to run the business. But you can take the other part of that compensation as a shareholder distribution and avoid... Uh, self-employment tax on that portion. And so people start to, to see, okay, you know, let's say I pay myself a $50,000 salary or a $60,000 salary and take 40 or 50 in distributions. When you look at saving 15.3% tax on uh, the, the portion of distributions, people see the tax savings there and they see the, the benefit of that. Mm. What I like about the LLC structure is that it has more flexibility in terms of its governance and management um, than what a, a corporation does. And so if you, I kind of look at the LLC and say, well, you can ultimately have the best of both worlds, right? You can set up the LLC structure and have that freedom and flexibility mm. file as the, the S corp file that S election when the time comes because you're making money and not have to necessarily take on all of the additional, um, requirements that go along with the corporation. Now there are some times when the corporation does make sense um, mm. in terms of, uh, you know, strategic growth, how you want to transition the business, you know, uh, whether or not you want to bring in um, partners that would invest and, and uh, have a shareholder interest. Those are things that, that I try to flesh out as much as possible with people on the front end, mm. just so that we can plan uh, accordingly going forward. Um, but some so of those, things far, yeah, so almost to jump in, because uh, I think listing out a couple, it sounds like one is a tax purpose, right? In the sense yeah. that 
an LLC gives you the flexibility of is depending on how you want to do your taxes, whether you're an individual just running it by yourself, or if you're doing it with multiple partners, then it gives you that flexibility. So, if, you know, maybe walking through for people that are listening, one reason is to protect your personal assets. So that way, you know, somebody doesn't come and take your house, your car, your boat, your whatever, your life savings, because um, you put out a product that they decided they wanted to sue you about. Or a service. Second one is is taxes in the sense that it can you know it can it give you the flexibility to depending on what your business is and how you're doing it. Tax considerations always play into that. Now, if you were to go now, because I think you're starting to hit on one thing I'm aware of, or at least could be coming across of, is you know S corp and C corp. If you're going to an investor, you're going to someone that's going to want shares as opposed to equity, or if you're going to be continually going out doing multiple rounds of raising, of fundraising, of investors, of angel investors, that's the time where you may want to consider an S corp or C corp. Is that right, or am I wrong? No, that's that that's true. Um, I, I do see people pursue investment through the LLC structure, and there's there's ways to do that, but there are limitations. There are limitations on what you can do with an S-Corp. For example, um, with an S-Corporation, you cannot have more than 100 shareholders. Mm. So if you're looking to go really, really big, um, you're you're probably looking at a C-Corp. The other thing is with an S-Corporation, every single shareholder Mm. has to be an individual. So... uh, I deal with a lot of complex business structures, people, you know, let's say real estate, for example, Mm. they might have several different LLCs that own different real estate properties. And then they might have an overarching LLC that owns their interest in each of those LLCs. Um, You cannot do that with an S corporation because each owner of the S corp has to be an individual. So those are some things that you kind of have to work through with people on the front end if possible as well. What are your big picture plans? Do you, do you see yourself going out and getting investment? You know, how do you want to, to do that? Do you want to have multiple classic classifications of stock, you know, voting and non-voting? Those are things that you don't typically talk through with somebody that's never started a business before because it's mm-hmm. going to be way over their head. And, and I try to keep it as simple as possible for people on the front end. Like you said, first, let, let's protect the assets. Second, let's talk about the different tax benefits that might be available and then what you might be looking to do with that, that company going forward. So now let me ask one question, kind of almost a follow-up, you know, so let's say I start out and my dream is to, I'm going to own it a hundred percent, right? And then, you know, I'm going to take off and I'm going to have it all to myself and I'm going to make a lot of money. And then a year down the road, I said, okay, this is, I'm going to need a lot more money than anticipated. This isn't going to work. I need to bring on investors and investors are telling me, you know, because they're, whether they're angel or venture capital, or it's an entity as opposed to an individual or anything of that nature, that I should be an, I should do an S corp or a C corp. How hard is it to switch between an, you know, an LLC and an S corp and a C corp? Is it, Hey, this is a monumentous, can be a lot of time, money, and effort. Is it as simple as, Hey, I just fill out a, C, or a simple form and send it in. Or how do you kind of if you're worried about making the wrong decision because you're going to be um having to maybe switch it down the road you know lay out is is it one that should be a major concern or just a minor concern um i would i would lean more towards minor than major um hmm. every state is different and every state has different policies for how those things are handled but in most states 
let's say you started out as an LLC. In most states, you can file articles of conversion where mm. you convert to a, a, a different type of entity structure. Now there's documentation that has to go along with that that you have to create. Um, sometimes getting the IRS or your state revenue department to recognize the new type of entity structure tied to your existing tax ID numbers, sometimes that's the biggest hurdle to jump through. There are occasions, though, particularly if, let's say, somebody started as an LLC, a year down the road, they realize that they really kind of need to pivot and, and, and move forward in a different fashion and, and you know, bring in some angel investors or, or whatever. Um, if they don't have a lot of depth on the books, it, it might be easier to simply close that entity and start a new one. Or leave that entity open, you know, operate it at, you know, with marginal effort, mar marginal, um, you know, income and expense and take the other, the new entity and, and pursue investment that way. So much of that is case by case specific. Hmm. So if I were to now try and boil that down to my understanding level, which I, I got to take it down several levels, you know, that it sounds to me like, you know, if you need to reform it, it's not just a simple one line or one page paragraph, you know, paper that you have to sign, they'll convert it over. It's not an arduous task. that's going to be so difficult. It's not worth it, but you have options that, Hey, if you wanted to start out as an LLC and things change down the road and you need to make that adjustment or that change, it's a reasonable or doable process. Is that about right? Yeah, in a nutshell, I, I'm a firm believer, Devin, that there's a, there's a way to do just about anything. <laughs> well, not because I, where I think that people are sometimes worried, and it's the same thing, whether it's, let's say you start out as an LLC and you want to go to a non-for-profit, you know, or you want to go to a, a, you decide, you know, a year down the road, you want to go to an S-Corp or a C-Corp, they get a bit of a, you know, frozen a bit in the sense that, you know, because they, there's so many options, they don't know how to make the decision, they just don't make any of them. And that's oftentimes the worst, you know, the worst decisions to not form any business to say, oh, this is all too complex, I'll worry about that down the road, and then you open yourself up to liability. So that's what I'm trying to, you know, help people to gauge is, hey, should this be something that it should be, you know, I should spend a lot of time and effort, or should I form an LLC, not worry about it down the road, it can be fixed, you know, get is so help people maybe understand, you know, how much, how much time and effort they should put into worrying about this or forming it up front versus, hey, should I just throw it as an LLC, start out with that, and then I can worry about it down the road. I'm a big believer in investing a little bit of money on the front end mm. to potentially save yourself a lot of money down the road. But that's not the end all be all, right? I, there are limitations, I think, for most people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very much about protecting people's assets and, and mitigating risk. And I think most people look at it and say, well, that's a great thing. But <clears throat> there are limitations to how much time and how much money I can afford to devote to, to, you know, protecting myself in this situation because there's countless things that could occur. You know, my focus is on let's, let's make the best, most cost-effective, not, not necessarily cheap, but mm. cost-effective. Let's try to make the best cost-effective decision that we can now to put ourselves in the best position to be successful later. That doesn't mean that two or three or four years down the road, we might have to pivot and do some things differently than, than how we started out. Mm. You know, you just don't necessarily know where your business is going to go on the front end. 
but I do think due diligence and, and, and investing some time and in, in money on the front end is a smart thing to do. Mm. I, I try to make that process as painful as possible for the people that I work with. I'm sure you do the same with the people that you work with, Devin. You, you're taking something that is, to them, complex, confusing, mm. and you know whatever. And you're trying to take that and, and just take the worry out of it for them. Take away the stress, simplify it. Uh, so that they don't have to worry about it. And I, I think that's, you know, my focus as well. No, and I, I think that I, I totally agree. We try and make it as painless as possible. And now you, you, you tripped into another question I was going to ask you. So let's say, okay, I've decided listening to this podcast or doing my Google search or talking with Ken, whoever, you know, or whoever, or however I come to the conclusion, I'm going to form an LLC. And then I have the option. Do I go to an attorney to form an LLC? Do I go to Kent to form an LLC? Do I go to my CPA or my, you know, tax accountant to form an LLC? Do I go to LegalZoom to form an LLC? Do I do it myself? And so how do you kind of weigh the pros and cons as to which avenue you should take, you know, and it's always a budget, but let's say you have, I don't know, six, six, seven hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars that you're saying, I need to get this business going. And so how do you kind of weigh which avenue to take? Because all of those t- are cost different amounts. And, you know, they also have different risk profiles as to whether they're not going to do it like. So thoughts on that as far as how people decide how to file. Yeah, I mean, obviously, everybody's got their own perspective. Um, you know, in my opinion, the people that go, you know, I think you mentioned legal zoom and I, I won't pick on them, but, but they're one of many online, you know, filing services. Um, I'm not a big proponent of those people simply because they're kind of a boilerplate one size fits all mm. operation. And therefore, number one, the advertised price, it's not going to be the final price because mm. all of those online services, they have a la carte add-ons. It's stuff that you need, um, but you don't get the personal one-on-one support that so many people starting out need. So I'm not a big proponent of those. I've, I've dealt with a lot of people that have used online filing services and I've cleaned up the mess after the fact. It, it, it would have been way more cost-effective for those people to, to work directly with a good attorney or to work with somebody my, like myself on the front end. So maybe, this, so what it, you bring up bring, or, or clean up the mess, what are some of the, I don't know, horror storage or messes that you typically have to clean up so that people understand? Because, you know, the, and, and I, I get where people are coming from saying, hey, I'm just doing a very simple, you know, co- or company. Maybe I just want to do an online platform on Shopify and I, I create a, you know, a um, drop shipping type of a business. It's really simple. It's not complex. What are, you know, so they said, well, you know, templates probably fine for me. I'll just go to LegalZoom. And I think to your point, LegalZoom, you always have about, it seems like five or 10 add-ons that, you know, you never know if you need them or not. So you end up adding them all to the cart and as expensive as if you'd done or had an attorney do it in the first place. But putting that aside, you know, what are some of kind of those horror stories or things that people get wrong or don't get right when they try and use, whether it's the self-service, do it themselves, or some of the online kind of DIY projects? Yeah. uh, One of the things that I look at, Devin, is the the differences in statutes from state to state. Mm. Um, I I am based in Minnesota. And uh, up until 2016, the, the Minnesota LLC statutes were quite a bit different than a lot of other states in that they required a board of governors to manage the LLC. There was no such thing in Minnesota uh, as a member managed LLC or a manager managed LLC. You had to name a board of governors, even if it was just you, 
right? Even if you were the sole member, the sole officer, the sole governor, uh, you still had to have that terminology in place and that had to exist in your operating agreement and in your other uh, formation documents. Uh, the online filing services had no idea that Minnesota's LLC statutes said what they said. And mm. so they, they would name uh, LLCs as manager managed or member managed LLCs. They would create documents that had direct statutory conflicts with the, the laws of the state. And I, over the years, I've found those things to pop up in other states as well, where there's something a little bit unique about, you know, uh, the state of Washington, for example, or the state of Maryland. And those, those one size fits all uh, templates don't catch those differences. Mm. And therefore they create documentation that, that is in conflict with the statutes in, in that particular state. So those are some of the things that, that I've seen pop mm. up. You know, I always tell people you get what you, you pay for if you're going for something cheap or inexpensive, well, then that's the outcome you're gonna get. Um, most of the people that I deal with, if mm. not all, are surprised at what they actually get and the cost is not anywhere close to what they would have envisioned that it would be. Uh, based on what they get. And, and so I, I always tell people, look, you got to make the decision that's right for you. Uh, but if you want somebody that, that truly understands this process and can really walk you through it hand in hand, step by step, you're not going to go to an online filing service. You, you're going to choose someone like me, or you're going to choose a, a, a business attorney that focuses primarily on, you know, corporate law and setting up, setting up small businesses. So now let me ask the, the hard question. So let's say they don't have the money to go to an attorney and, you know, I don't have the money to, you know, I'm doing this as a complete bootstrapped. I'm, you know, don't have any money aside. I'm trying to do this on a $5 budget type of a thing or a side hustle. And so I, I just simply don't have the money to go to somebody that's an attorney or otherwise specializes in it or can provide that service. Am I better to simply not do anything or should I do a legal zoom or a rocket lawyer or whichever one you do? Is it better to have something than nothing or should you wait or just hold off and do nothing until you save up and have the money? You know, that's a hard question to answer. I, I sometimes I think doing nothing and then pleading ignorance is maybe you're maybe better served than to do something that's incredibly mm. wrong and then hope that that, you know, protects you. Uh, I'll, I'll actually go back to what I think is the root of your question sure. and it's the budget, right? I don't have any money. And, yeah. you know, I do a lot of work with startups and I, I, I focus on five core pillars and, and one of those is the financial piece of it. And over 50% of all small businesses fail to make it five years. Okay. And of those over 50% that don't make it five years, the vast majority of them don't survive two years. And in most cases, it's, be, it's because of financial reasons. And uh, the, there are success stories out there of people that, hey, I started my, my business with $1,000 or with $500, and I'm now you know, making, you know, generating money hand over fist and making you know, millions of dollars. Those are the exception and not the rule. It takes some initial capital to get a business up and off the ground. You know, even if it's, you know, 2,500 bucks or five grand, um, 
you need a little bit of cash to get going uh, and to, to give yourself the, the best chance to be successful. So I've had those conversations, quite frankly, with people that are in that boat and they say, you know, what you what you're talking about sounds great. I know I need it. I don't have that money. What do you think I should do? And I say, you know what, keep doing what you're doing, you know, work in your job or, or, or whatever it is and keep trying to set aside a little bit of cash, keep working on your plan and get yourself in a little bit better financial position to actually launch this business the right way. That That's actually my, my best advice. And, and I don't wanna discourage anybody from starting a business. Don't take me wrong there. Um, I just want people to, to put themselves in the best position to be successful as they possibly can. And that requires a little bit of capital. Hmm. No, and I agree. So, you know, I think it's hard because, you know, on the one sense, you do read a lot of stories of, hey, we didn't have anything. And, you know, if I were to take the, you know, at least the, the story you hear, whether or not it's true, I don't know, on, you know, like a Jeff Bezos or others that, hey, I started this in my dorm room, started shipping things out, and it started to grow and it started to do. And, you know, you're, you're trying to say, hey, I, I got this opportunity. I don't love my job and I want to get something going and I at least want to try it out. You know, then then you're, you have the competing things of, hey, I don't have the money right now, but I want to get things going. And I think that there's, you know, a bit of that balance in the sense that you know you, maybe you have to prioritize if you are going to get a business going you have to also look at your risk profile right so you're saying hey if the risk is very low on the llc that i'm ever going to get sued because all i'm doing is doing the you know a business that is out of the box same as everybody else i'm delivering cookies around the dorm room or taking you know a new pizza delivery and something that's fairly low likelihood maybe you can get going try it out see if you like entrepreneurship and then get going and vice versa if you're saying hey this is a high risk i'm going to go and try and compete against the big boys or big players and they're going to have lots of money and i'm going to have to be able to make sure i'm squeaky clean and covered then maybe a step back and say hey now it is much more important because my risk profile has gone a whole bunch up higher up that i need to make sure to have these in place maybe i don't know i'm just uh, thinking that you know kind of seems like sometimes it's always a balance of risk versus reward and how where you fall on that spectrum yeah i mean there are some of those situations devin that i've been i've come across where at the end of the day um and i had to be careful how i said it because i don't want to i don't want to bring liability on myself (laughs) um but you know where i encourage them you know what why don't you see if this thing's got some legs to it give it a shot i i you know i I try to work with people and say, you know, if they say, look, I don't have the budget. Can you set up some kind of a payment plan or whatever? Mm. You know, I'll do that in those extreme situations because I want to help people. But there have been those situations where I, I was maybe pessimistic about their chances of making it and, mm. you know, and just kind of encourage them, look, go s- just try and just see if you can do this on your own. And, and where it might take you. You mm. can always come back to me when things are, are looking up or, or you've kind of proven your concept. Um, you know, one question that I get asked repeatedly, which I don't ever like to answer, uh, people will come to me with a business idea and they'll say, Kent, I know you work with a lot of business. You've been at this a long time. What do you think of my business idea? And, mm. you know, I tell them, I'm. It, it's not for me to to green light their business idea or not. And the reason I say that I've seen some of the best business ideas never go anywhere. And, you know, for a variety of reasons, you know, it's not the right person driving the ship. They don't have the enough capital, whatever. And conversely, 
I've seen some of the dumbest things you can imagine. I don't mean, I don't want to say that in a mean way. No, but just like, you know, you hear it and like, nobody's going to want to buy that product or, or whatever. And it's wildly successful. And what that tells me is there's just no predicting the market, right? You can go out and do market research and soft launch and all that. At the end of the day, you just don't know what the market might get excited about. And so I don't ever say somebody, you know, has a great idea or has a terrible idea. You know, um, if they say, well, I get it off the record, what's your personal opinion? I'll say, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's a good idea. I can see a need for that, but I try not to encourage them or discourage them based on my view of their idea. At the end of the day, if they've got a dream and they're passionate about it, I want to see them pursue it, you know, and let the chips fall where they may. No, and I, I think that that totally makes sense. You know, that's kind of always, I get the same thing as an attorney is, hey, what do you think about your idea? And I said, well, you know, it's hard, it's hard to give advice. Hey, I haven't done the market research. I don't know what the demand is. I don't know what your team is, you know, the team is like. I don't know what your funding is like. And it's really always hard. And at the end of the day, they still want to give an idea. So usually you say, well, this, you know, here are a few of my thoughts. If I were in your shoes that I might consider, you know, one of the things I always reflect back to is, you know, I'm an avid, avid watcher of Shark Tank. I've, I think I've watched either every episode or nearly episode, um, starting from when it very, you know, the very first when they used to have little businesses that were, not the big ones that make millions of dollars now and are coming on for, you know, various reasons. But one of the things I always thought was interesting is you take one of the products that almost everybody know now, which will ring doorbell. And that one kind of got laughed off of the stage. Why would anybody need that? We don't want to invest in that. Who needs to see their video when you're at the door kind of thing. And that one has taken off like wildfire and tons of people have it. And so you just never know. And so it is always that hard. And I think sometimes to your points, it's as much as, the people you have on the team, the the if your timing's right, if you've done your, if you have the right talent, the right skill sets at the right time, it can make a bit or bigger difference in your business than just having the right idea. Well, we've gone as far or probably over time, but I it's been I think an insightful and or hopefully it helps people get an idea of on LLCs and kind of what they might think about. So if people want to reach out to you, they want to ask you for your expertise they want to use your services they want to learn more they want to pick your brain they want to be your next best friend any or all of the above what's the best way to connect up with you or reach out uh they can email me they can email me kent at kentgustafson.com they can go to either of my websites safeshieldconsulting.com or kentgustafson.com uh, there's ways to contact me through the websites as well um but yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show, Devin. Really enjoyed it. Oh, absolutely. We appreciate you coming on, sharing all your knowledge, and hope and uh, wish you the best of luck on your journey. Thanks, Devin. Appreciate it.